morning. And hi to everyone joining us online. Lovely to have you with us. And um, hello to Matthew. Uh, go well preaching tomorrow night at St. Mary's. Te inoi, he whakawhitiwhiti koriru kiti atua. Prayer, conversations with God. Today we begin an eight-week series, sermon series on prayer. Who'd have thought we'd have so much to say on prayer? Well, we do. And that's because prayer, perhaps more than any other aspect of the Christian life, is a catalyst for personal spiritual renewal, for renewal of the church, and for transformation of the world around us. I suggest that prayer is perhaps the most significant mark of a mature Christian life. Now, you might think, hang on, what about Christian witness? Is that not the most obvious mark of a mature life in Christ? Sure, but what do you think fuels mature Christian witness? It's our intimacy with God. It's our communion with God. The light that the world sees in us and is drawn to is the flame of love for God that is fed through intimate communion with God. Our communion with God, our koriru with God, takes place primarily through prayer and the digesting of Scripture. Prayer and the Word of God are two great pillars of the spiritual life. We could add a third pillar, Christian fellowship, because the spiritual life is not a solitary exercise. If you've ever tried it alone, it doesn't go so well. We spur one another on in the faith. We meet Christ through one another. We use our gifts to serve one another. So then, prayer, scripture, and Christian fellowship are the primary pillars that underpin an authentic spiritual life in Christ. And that results, of course, in witness, in overflow, in love, joy, righteousness, peace, mercy, and justice spilling out of us and transforming the world around us. Do you want to join God in changing the world? Then keep meeting with one another as believers. Devour Scripture and learn to pray. Let me just say as we begin this series on prayer, don't be afraid of prayer. If you find prayer difficult, you are in fact in good company. Few believers find prayer easy. We all actually have to work at prayer. I'm hoping that that's oddly comforting for you because there is nothing wrong with you if you don't feel like praying. Neither do I most of the time. It's also common to experience disappointment in prayer, seemingly unanswered prayer, and spiritually dry times when the desire to pray eludes us and it feels like we're speaking into a void. That's quite a common experience. But don't lose hope. There is also the beautiful experience of God sometimes drawing near to us when we pray and the joy of seeing surprising answers to prayer but above all, there's a strange sense that as we pray, it's we who are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. 
regardless of any way in which our prayers may move God or change the world around us, which is not to say that they don't, but to say that prayer first and foremostly transforms us. I think that's quite a hopeful thing to realize as we pray because I believe deep down we know that it's our hearts that most need shifting and reordering and aligning with the heart of God. So, we want to begin this series by saying it's worth practicing and persisting in prayer because prayer holds great promise for us. There's lots of P words in this message. I've titled this message The Promise of Prayer because prayer truly does hold great promise. And it's not necessarily the promise that you would think of. Sometimes we think of effective prayer as prayer that somehow secures answers from God. Now, if we've at least learned that the Christian life is not about our own wants and desires, but about love for others, then we may frame that in terms of answers for others, answers for the world around us, not just for our own needs and desires. But I want to suggest that prayer is about something even deeper than that. Prayer is about more than getting answers from God. It's actually about obtaining God, or let's flip that even better, it's about God getting hold of us. It's about communion and union with God. Now, to be clear, Jesus positively affirms asking for things in prayer. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it he says in John's Gospel. So there's no need to trivialize requests and answers to prayer. But I want us to think about the ground on which we stand as we pray and about what's happening when we use the name of Jesus and appeal to God in prayer. We are creatures communing with the, create, with the Creator. We are touching the flame of love, and hopefully being set on fire. We are sharing the breath of life with God as in a hongi. And as with a hongi, the emphasis is on what? It's on unity. We are, in fact, practicing and experiencing union with God. And that is the deeper meaning of prayer. We're going to draw out this dimension of union with God through prayer today by looking at that profound prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples. Thank you, Alyssa, for reading that. It wasn't very long reading. But it's a magnificent prayer, and it's worth hearing in whole. All of John chapter 17 is a prayer from Jesus for his disciples and for us. And the prayer not only expresses how intimately Jesus communes with the Father, which is hugely evident in the prayer, but the prayer also speaks of and draws us into the same kind of extraordinary communion and union with God that Jesus knew. We cannot hear Jesus pray for us these words without realizing that we are actually invited into the same intimacy with the Father that he experienced and had great confidence in. So, to put it simply, Jesus' experience of prayer becomes our own. His union with the Father is extended to envelop us, which was, of course, his earthly ministry. 
to reconcile us to God. Have a listen to what he prays. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. Wow. That's a line you actually have to read more than once to figure out who's in who. And in the end, you realize that Jesus and the Father share everything, and it's all shared with us. And yet the words shared with are entirely inadequate. It's not as if God merely hands us something. Rather, we are taken into God, drawn into God's nature. Jesus prays, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. It's breathtaking. Jesus extends to us nothing less than union with God. Oh, and right there, by the way, is the connection between prayer and mission, between communion with God and Christian witness, as I mentioned earlier. Notice it. May they also be in us so that the world may believe. It's our union with God that draws the world to God. Now, the complexity of who's and who gets denser as the prayer progresses. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. <laughs> you almost get the sense that Jesus or John or both are having fun now, confusing us with a word puzzle to unpick, which could ultimately be summed up with the words, we're all one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the believers with one another and the believers in God. Forget the distinctions. It's now a beautiful blur. And don't miss the mention of believers in unity and fellowship with one another. It's a major theme in this prayer, that third great pillar of the spiritual life, that they may be completely one, says Jesus, of all his followers. The unity of believers with one another is threaded throughout this prayer, and it is the most visible dimension of our witness to an unbelieving world. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The other, the second pillar of a vibrant spiritual life, the Word of God, is also mentioned by Jesus in this prayer. Jesus is explicit about the function of the Word of God, which includes both His teaching and Scripture. And they have kept your word, he says. For the words that you have given me, I have given them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from you. I have given them your word. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so, receiving and obeying the word of God, the words of Jesus, according to this prayer, is inseparable from believing in him. It is God's Word that sanctifies us, and our response to God's Word that draws us into that union of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' great prayer for us, our union with God has defining characteristics. It's not all abstract. Let's just note and rattle through 
the key words that Jesus wraps around our experience of union with the Father and with one another. First, glory. The glory that you have given me, I have given them. And joy, that they may have my joy made complete in them. Also love, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. And deeply assured faith. Believers know in truth that I, says Jesus, came from you, the Father, and they have believed. Also our Christian unity, so that they may be one as we are one. And so this prayer life, uh, this prayer-filled life we live in union with God is marked by glory, joy, peace, love, assurance of faith, and Christian unity. There are darker notes in Jesus' prayer. The world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. And yet even here there is a promise, the promise of protection. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one, says Jesus. Protection, then, is another defining characteristic of our communion with God in Christ. And so, yes, we may share in the sufferings of Christ in this world that is hostile to the knowledge of God, but Jesus expresses an unshakable confidence in his Father to keep hold of those who belong to him. Of his immediate disciples, he says, I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, Judas so that the scripture might be fulfilled. And beyond the twelve, he says, you have given him, the Son, authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. That's us. We belong to God in Christ. And it's a certain thing. Confidence in Christ and assurance of salvation, even in the face of persecution, is a sign of a healthy Christian life. I hope that Jesus' extraordinary prayer for his disciples inspires you to pray. I hope you see what already belongs to us as believers. And if Jesus can voice such confidence in his union with the Father and with us, then so too can we. And it is in prayer that we recognize and experience that union with God. It is while praying that we taste what Jesus speaks of on our behalf, the glory, the love, the joy, the assurance of salvation, the protection from evil. Allow yourself through prayer to be led into union with God in a way that transforms and transfigures your whole life and turns your life itself into prayer. Now, this requires work, of course, on our part. We must actually labor to practice prayer, even, I would suggest, in specific ways and at specific times, until it becomes more familiar, more habitual, seeping out into the rest of life. So there is value in being deliberate and disciplined about when and how we pray, not religiously mechanical, but actually practicing prayer intentionally, 
Because prayer, like all spiritual disciplines, requires practice and persistence. But that's actually about training ourselves to recognize the reality that God already surrounds us. That, as Paul says to the Athenians, in him we live and move and have our being. All spiritual disciplines practiced humbly and faithfully simply awaken us to that glorious truth. And so the moments that we set aside to be with God, the practices of prayer that we practice, they are merely sharpening our senses and attuning us to the God in whom we already exist at every moment and whose breath of life we share. There's a wonderful old Celtic Christian prayer called St. Patrick's Breastplate. Who knows it? Anyone? Great few hands. Great. It's a prayer that encapsulates, I think, the sense of union with God through Christ. It's actually a traditional Celtic prayer for blessing and protection called a lorica. You may want to pray it sometimes if you're looking for a prayer that's already scripted. Not all prayers have to come from our own thoughts. As with liturgy, as with our call to worship, others have put thoughtful um, theology and passion into, into scripting prayers that we can take up and use to express our love for God, our communion with God. Have a listen to a lilting Irish accent of a Silesian monk as he prays St. Patrick's Prayer, and you may even consider making the words of this prayer your own today. As I arise today, may the strength of God pilot me, the power of God uphold me, the wisdom of God guide me. May the eye of God look before me, the ear of God hear me, the word of God speak for me. May the hand of God protect me the way of God lie before me. The shield of God defend me. The host of God save me. May Christ shield me today. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit, Christ when I stand, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen.
Lovely, isn't it? I think his prayer captures a sense of being surrounded by Christ, quite literally. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ on my left, Christ on my right. Yet not only surrounding us, also within us, Christ in me. And present in our relationships, Christ in every ear that hears me. And so a life filled with Christ lived in union with God. Like Paul saying to the Galatians, it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. Today is just a sampler, a taster on prayer, and an appeal for you to see the glorious promise that prayer holds of union with God. In the weeks ahead, we're going to see what it means to bring our true selves to God rather than the self we think God wants to meet with, and what it means to meet with the true God rather than the one we sometimes imagine. We will explore the role of personality in prayer and the freedom we have to pray in a myriad of diverse ways that account for how we each relate differently to God. We will look at the role of the Holy Spirit who helps us pray and even prays on our behalf. We will see what it means to grieve with God as intercessors for a sinful, broken world. We will learn that prayer naturally moves from speaking to God to listening to God and that, that as our prayer life deepens, we may even find ourselves falling silent before God. Why? Because contemplation of God moves us to wonder, to awe, to stillness. And we will learn that the key to practicing the presence of God prayerfully in life is to look for God in the ordinary, not to look for God always in the extraordinary. And we will also learn that a growing prayer life leads paradoxically not to withdrawal from the world, but to redemptive action within it because prayer equips and calls us to actively serve the world in partnership with God. And so we're going to explore all this and more in the weeks ahead. For now, we just want to encourage you to pray anywhere, anyhow, um, anytime you choose. In one sense, there are no right or wrong ways to pray. And so experiment with prayer. Tap into that desire you have as a child of God to commune with the one who loves you infinitely. And so to help you do that, we've given you a length of leather. It's a bracelet. You can tie some knots in it, if you like, and those knots can serve as a prompt to pray. Think of it as a kind of Protestant rosary, if you like. Each knot can prompt you to pray, and also, it can also represent a prayer that you may want to pray. Here's some ideas for how you might use it. You might choose to intercede for someone. Lord, I pray in this moment for so-and-so. Or you may choose to give thanks. Father, I thank you at this moment for. Or a breath prayer. Breathe in as you pray. Breathe out something short, succinct, simple, like the Orthodox Eastern Orthodox Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or bless someone. Father, I ask you to bless so-and-so. Try blessing someone you're having trouble actually loving. It works. 
or just express your desire for God. God, I love you, and I long for you. You use it however you choose to use it. We just want to place in your hand something tangible that can serve as a prompt to pray throughout the series. We hope you find it helpful. So take hold of the promise of prayer. Sense the glory that Jesus shares with us that he spoke of in John 17. Reach out for the love, for the joy that is yours in Christ, for the deep assurance of salvation, for protection from the evil one. Enjoy the Christian unity we have with brothers and sisters in Christ, the unity that causes the world to pause, watch, and wonder. And above all, go ahead, taste communion and union with God. Hongi with God and the week ahead, share the breath of life. Let me pray for us now as we commit to being people of prayer. Lord Jesus, we hear your words of prayer to your Father on our behalf and we are amazed. Can we really know such love, such joy, such assurance of salvation, such unity with one another as believers, and such union with you and your Father through the Holy Spirit? Lift our eyes, open our eyes to see all that you have given us and the way that you have opened for us through your life, death, and resurrection. May we catch a glimpse of the promise of prayer. Help us to commit to do our part, to kōruru with you frequently, faithfully. Remind us in the week ahead that in you we already live and move and have our being and call us deeper into that reality. Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ on our left, Christ on our right, Christ within us, help us pray. Amen.